Changed by Love is the teaching ministry of Pastor Jim Kevney of Calvary Chapel, Morris Hills, located in Dover, New Jersey. Our desire is to teach the Word of God with passion and simplicity, as well as a direct application for our lives. With that in mind... Let's pretend that you're taking parachuting lessons and you're up in the plane with all the other people and there you are with your Jesus shirt on and everybody's lined up ready to jump out of the plane and somebody casually says to you, hey, where's your parachute? You're like, don't need one. I'm a Christian, (laughs) right? Okay, that is presumption. That is presumption. That's expecting God, right, to disallow for your tenure in the air, gravity, That's presumption. That's not faith. Pastor Jim continues with popular questions about Ecclesiastes. He shows us that stepping out in faith will require risk, generosity, and or wisdom. There will be times that being faithful will mean giving your last dime and you going without the indulgence that you were planning on. He also clears up the difference between faith and presumption. Like he says in his story about jumping out of an airplane, it would be presumptuous to not use a parachute. Let's allow wisdom and faith to reign, not presumption. With this in mind, here's Pastor Jim with part one of his message entitled, Why is how we step out in faith important? A lesson in taking risks. Okay, I want to read uh, Ecclesiastes 11:6 again. In the morning sow your seed, and in the evening do not withhold your hand, for you do not know which will prosper, either this or that, whether both alike will be good. So what's going to happen tomorrow, next week, next year, five years, 10 years, 20 years, 100 years? That's next week's sermon. (laughs) You see, you just never know what's going to happen, right? And we often want to know what's going to happen. And uh, do some of us want guarantees of what's going to happen? Most people I know, even if they deny it, want their life to mean something. They want their life to make a difference, yet for many people, the uncertainty in the way things are going to turn out leads them to do nothing. Others, just not knowing what's going to happen or thinking about it, rush ahead, and both can easily miss out on the opportunities and the blessings that God has for them. So how does one take a step of faith? How does one take a venture of faith so it turns to be a venture of faith and not a venture of a fool? How can we be bold and confident in the things that we do, not foolish, but not brash and not arrogant? How can we do this when we don't know the outcome? Over the years of God's gracious mercy in saving my soul and through the trials and travails of being a follower of Jesus and and having a business. I had started it and ran it completely illegally, and it took me a long time to turn around to make it legal. And being married, that part was probably easy, (laughs) for me anyway. And having a family, having kids, being part of a church, being part of various ministries, starting a church, and all that goes into that. I've learned that at some point in time, we're probably going to have to resign ourselves that if we want to make a difference in this world, we're just going to have to take some risks. It's the only way it's really going to happen. 
King Solomon was a, was a man who had it all, and here in Ecclesiastes, he has been, he or the Bible writer, his autobiographer, has been searching for the meaning of life under the sun here on earth, and we said that most scholars think that he's teaching a group of probably young men, young emerging leaders, the most gifted of the whole area, very, very zealous people, and he's been mentoring them in wisdom. And Ecclesiastes is part of what we call in the Bible wisdom literature, the most notable being the Proverbs. And so he's speaking a lot in Proverbs. And this is very interesting that right now, those of you who are younger, you're probably the first generation that wasn't raised with Proverbs. Because a lot of times I'll say, well, you've probably heard it. And some of the young people are like, where was I? How come I never heard that? And a lot of us, in fact, we'll be, we've been going through them. We'll note a few today. But, but a lot of people never heard uh, some of these things. Now, as he's teaching these young men, these young people, uh, he knows that young people are uh, known for taking risks, right? And young people, sometimes when they take their risks, now there's risky behavior, that's not what we're talking about, that's a different thing, but, but a lot of times when young people take risks, they, they make mistakes, and so what he's trying to do is pre, as he's preparing them for the future is he's helping them, and by extension us, to think about how to take a venture of faith, how to take a step of faith. And what the Bible writer is really doing here is calling all of us to take risks to make the world a better place. Back in ancient Israel, it would be for for the cause of Yahwehism, for the cause of expanding the kingdom so God's God's people would inhabit more of the earth and, and people would come to worship Yahweh instead of false gods. In our situation, it would be that we are to take risks uh, to make the world a better place for the gospel. Now, that's not just church stuff. That, that's in everything that we do. I like to challenge you know, every, every business owner and, and, and every boss in our congregation of just saying, why do you do what you do? Are, are you selling houses or are you selling homes? Are you fixing cars or are you enabling families to have good, reliable, safe transportation to what they, where they're going? Are you teaching a curriculum or are you molding lives? And so this is what he is trying to get them to do. He's trying to get them to rethink how they go about what they do and some of the risks that they're going to take. And so the title of our message today, all of Ecclesiastes' messages have been with questions, and and the message is this, why is how we step out in faith important? Why is how we step out in faith important? Subtitle, A Lesson in Taking Risks. A Lesson in Taking Risks. And the emphasis, if you will, is on the how. Why is how we step out in faith important? So we're all called in some sense to take a step of faith, to take some risks. And so Solomon, the Lord, the Holy Spirit is guiding us in how we do it. If you're taking notes, three things we want to note out of today's passage. Number one, step out in faith with wisdom. Step out in faith with wisdom. Look at verse 1. Cast your bread upon the waters, for you will find it after many days. Give a serving to seven and also to eight, for you do not know what evil will be on the earth. So look at that for a second, okay? Cast your bread upon the waters, for you will find it after many days. 
Now, a lot of people say to me, do you take the Bible literally? And I always say, well, I do, but I shoot for literal intent because there's some things that the Bible says that are just not meant to be taken literally. They're just you know, things that we use to make it easier for us to see. Now, how many of you read this passage and really think that he's saying, hey, throw a piece of bread out on the water and just stand there and wait for it to come back to you? Really, just stand there for days. You throw the bread out, and what does it do? There it sinks, and it goes from duck food to fish food pretty quickly, right? And you think God is really saying, I want you to stand there until it comes back out of the water. Now, maybe back in their day, they're talking about pita bread, so that might float for a little bit longer, but I don't think that's it. How many of you have ever eaten Ezekiel bread? Oh, more in the last service, more in the last service. You got to get on board with Ezekiel bread, right? It's this Christian company that, that makes bread that my wife tells me is good for me. Uh, it tastes like it's good for me. Um, I call it Christian cardboard for consumption, <laughs> right? <laughs> right? And that with a smear of jelly will make you long for heaven, man. <laughs> and so, and so uh, but maybe that's what it is. But even Ezekiel bread or pita could only float for so long. Okay, so let's think about what he's saying here. Remember, he's speaking in Proverbs, verse one. Cast, cast, throw. The Bible tells us to cast our cares upon the Lord. Throw them. You fishermen, you know the difference between drop line, dropping your line, and casting it out. So it's a word of action. Cast your bread upon the waters. Now, that seems risky, doesn't it? You're thinking, if I throw it out there, it's it's going to sink, He says, for you will find it after how long? Five minutes? 20 minutes? One sermon? No, he says, you're going to find it after many days. What's he talking about? When you cast this bread, whatever this is, we'll talk about in a second, you need patience. It's going to take a while for this to happen. Okay, then verse two, he says, give, word of action, right? This bread right? That didn't I just throw it out in the water, but somehow you got it. Give a serving to seven and also to eight. So now I have to take it and I have to do something with it. Seven perfection. He goes, even go beyond that, really go for it. Four, very important term. We're going to come across a lot today. You do not know what evil, uh, some versions say disaster, will be on the earth. So here he seems to be saying that there's going to be times in your life When you need to take a chance or a risk, when it seems there will never be a return, I'm going to throw this out and it's never going to come back. I'm I'm absolutely crazy to do this. And he's telling these young leaders who are going to be running the kingdom, sometimes you just have to take a step of faith. Now, here's an expression, those of us who are older, we know this, nothing ventured, nothing gained, okay? And so notice he's saying, cast it out. Don't be tentative, be aggressive. Make a total commitment to the risk that you are taking. Now, faith is not to be confused with presumption. Faith, gathering information, doing with what God has told us to do, being consistent with the word of God, and then moving out. Presumption is just doing what comes to our mind and think, because somebody in the Bible did it, that God is under some obligation to do the same thing with us. Let's pretend that you're taking parachuting lessons and you're up in the plane with all the other people and there you are with your Jesus shirt on and everybody's lined up ready to jump out of the plane and somebody casually says to you, hey, where's your parachute? 
you're like, don't need one. I'm a Christian, <laughs> right? Okay, that is presumption. That is presumption. That's expecting God, right, to disallow for your tenure in the air, gravity. That's presumption. That's not faith. So maybe you're thinking about taking a step of faith in, in some realm, maybe starting a venture, starting a business or something like that. Well, I started my first business. I was young and I was single. So it was totally okay for me to live in my van on the rest stop in the New Jersey Turnpike. It was fine for me. It was fine for me. But now I have a family. They have no desire to live there. Okay? They have grown fond of eating. You know, two boys, both over six feet tall. They eat like horses. Okay? So I can no longer do, I can't be presumptive and think that there's no way that I have to work to provide a living for my family. Now, there's two major interpretations of this text. And the first is he is teaching these young emerging leaders by saying this, I'm going to teach you how to make money in international trade. I'm going to teach you how to make money probably in the grain business. So he's telling them, listen, after the harvest, because they'll be managing all of this stuff, some of them might be big, wealthy landowners, uh, they're probably going to inherit it. He's saying, after this harvest, you can play it safe, and you can keep all the food for yourself. Or you can play it safe, and did you just go to the local farmer's market and maybe sell your stuff? But if you want to make some real money, what you do is you put it on a ship, and you ship it across the Mediterranean. And you'll find people over there who are willing to pay big bucks for your product. But that was a very risky prospect because there was a lot of shipwrecks back then. It wasn't like it is now. I mean, they'd be like, oh, I hope it makes it across the water. Now we're like, the air conditioning blew, I'm suing. It's very different, very different. Uh, dishonest traders juggling the, you know, the uh, scales, playing with the scales, juggling the conversion rates, that kind of stuff. Uh, there was pirates. How many of you have seen the movie Captain Phillips? Really great movie with Tom Hanks, right? And the, his boat gets hijacked, true story, by Somali pirates. And that was true. So if that's the right interpretation, King Solomon could be saying, be wise, put your grain on different ships. Don't put the whole sail on one ship, throw it out on seven, even eight ships. We might say, diversify for safety, those of you who invest in your 401k plan, a good idea if your company offers one and, or invest in an IRA, investing for the IRA for the future, he's saying diversify your investments. We have a saying for that. Don't put all your eggs in one basket. Okay. Now, the other interpretation goes like this, particularly from verse 2, give a serving to seven, also to eight. Okay, the other interpretation says this, work really hard, he's telling them, make a lot of money and give to the poor. Work really hard and give some money to the work of the Lord before it's too late, before the opportunity is gone, because he says, you do not know what evil or what disaster will be on the earth. Now, despite for much of what passes for Bible teaching today, the Bible is not a self-improvement book, although as we read the Bible, as we study the Bible, as we share talking about the Bible with one another, we should be improving, right? We should be becoming better people, uh, better Christians, okay? But rather, the Bible would say to us, instead of just, our, our just improving in everything we do, that our work and our lives should be helping others improve 
as we improve, as our standard of living improves or our understanding of things improve, we help others improve. And here, he, if it's the idea is giving money to the poor or, or the work of the Lord, he's saying here, take a calculated risk of outrageous generosity. Don't be afraid to throw that stuff out there and see what kind of a return God gives to you. Now, people say, well, of those two big interpretations, which is correct, well, honestly, they both are, right? And they both fit into the principles of the word of God. And here, the principle, what follows, we're going to see, is that all ventures of faith will require risk. All ventures of faith will require generosity. All ventures of faith will require wisdom. There's more, but that's what he's confining himself to here. Jesus comes along a thousand years later, Matthew 25, and he's talking about the parable of the talents. Now, talents doesn't mean you know you can twirl a baton and do a hula hoop or something like that, although maybe you can do that, God bless you. Um, but, but talents is money, is money. And, and Jesus tells this story, and he says, a master came along and he gave to his servants some talents. So one guy, he gave five talents. One guy, he gave two talents, and the third one, he gave one talent. So the guy with the five talents worked really hard with the five talents that his master had given to him. And when the master came back, he had five more talents. So now he has 10. The guy with the two talents, he worked really hard. He made two talents more. And when the master came back, he had two. But the third guy said, you know what? I'm just going to play it safe. So he goes out and he digs a hole and he buries it in the ground. He says, ah, this will be great. When the master comes back, you know, I'll have his money. I'm not going to risk losing it. Well, to the man who had five, he gave five and then made five more. Jesus says this in the parable, Matthew 25, 21. His Lord said to him, well done, good and faithful servant. You are faithful over a few things. I will make you ruler over many. Enter into the joy of your Lord. So that's what he said to the guy with the five talents who turned it into five more. What do you think he said to the guy with two talents who turned it into two more? The exact same thing. Now, I don't know about you, but that really encourages me because I often feel like a two-talent Christian, right? There's just some things I can't do. I, have, I can't sing. I can't sing. It's not my fault. It's really not, right? You can't blame me. You're like, you sing terribly. You can't blame me. God didn't give me the gift to sing. And so maybe you're like, well, I'm not as talented as that person. God's like, well, you got a couple things over here you can use. And so we can only use the talents that God gives us, but we have to use those gifts and talents that God does give us. Well, what, a, what about the third guy? Well, the third guy, what, the, the master comes up, Jesus comes up to him, and the third guy has an excuse. His excuse is, well, I know you're a hard man. That's what we call blame shifting. Do you ever know anybody like that? It's always somebody else's fault why something didn't happen or why they didn't do something or why they didn't keep their word, right? I, I, would, I would have done it if you hadn't done this, or I would have shown up if you for that. And so what happens is they're, they're blaming other people for their lack of service. And here, the guy's blaming Jesus. Now, isn't that funny? In today's world, it kind of goes like this. When people do stuff and they sin and they don't care about anything, they go, God is forgiving. He's very forgiving. Okay, fine, I agree with that. But when God says, I'd like you to live this way, they're like, he's a hard man. 
He's a very hard man, but he's forgiving, right? Okay, and imagine this, saying to Jesus, you're a hard man. But I wonder, friend, honestly, we all have to look inside ourselves. When God asks us to do something or God has something for us to do, are we sometimes, our lack of not doing it, are we saying to God, you're a hard man? Are we saying to Jesus, this is too hard for me to do? Now, you figure, okay, he didn't do it. He said, you're a hard man. And I know everybody says, well, well, uh, uh, what would Jesus say? Jesus says to him, you wicked and lazy servant. Now, some people go, not my Jesus. And I'm like, well, I know, not your Jesus, but the one in the Bible did say that, <laughs> okay? <laughs> he did say that. Jesus says, you wicked and lazy servant. And couldn't you even put it in the bank, he says, and get me some interest, it's almost like Jesus is saying to him, do you expect me to do everything for you? Those of you who have gardens, you know, you have a little plot and, and you don't just go out to your garden every day and just pray, right? And then just walk back in the house. Your neighbors will think you're nuts, right? They'll, they'll be like, what are you doing? You're like, oh, I'm just praying. I'm just praying. And they're like, no, that's not how you do a garden. That's not, that, that's not how you do it. And so Jesus is saying, couldn't you have even made the minimal investment couldn't you have even taken a walk to the bank? Couldn't you have even done something with what I gave you? What's Jesus teaching us when we put these two scriptures together, this Old Testament scripture and, and the parable Jesus tells, that we all must work with the wisdom of God for the kingdom of God. We must all wisely take risks for what God has given to us. But what's the human tendency? The human tendency is to be selfish, isn't it? We're selfish with our time. People say, oh, I, I don't know, you know how much time I have. 24 hours, we all got the same. We're selfish with our money, yet we're wondering why God doesn't bless us with our money. Some of us, before we were Christians, wasted so much money on stupid stuff. Some of us on drugs and alcohol. Like, you wouldn't mind giving your drug dealer half your paycheck. I mean, so many people, right, they get paid on Friday and they're broke by Monday. And, and so I used to have guys who worked for me when, back when I owned my trucking company who would be like, they would get their money and they would, they'd give me $100 and they would say, hold it till Monday, <laughs> right? <laughs> right? Hold it till Monday. Or they would have half their paycheck go to their wife's account because they were so frivolous with money. And so we're selfish with our time. We're, we're, selfish with our, we're selfish with our money. We have a billion excuses why we're not going to do these things and the Lord does not want us to be people of excuses. He wants us to be people of boldness. In the parable of the rich fool, Jesus says there was this rich guy. He was building his kingdom, hoarding all the money for himself, decides to go out and build more barns so he can have more money, which is fine unless you're hoarding it all for yourself. And Jesus says to him, you fool, tonight you didn't know that your life would be required of you. It's too late. It's too late. And then he goes on to teach essentially that only those who are rich toward God are those who are going to be rewarded in the kingdom of heaven. Those are the people that are going to be rewarded in eternal life. Now look at the end of verse two here. He says, for you do not know what evil or disaster will be on the earth. In other words, he's saying to these young leaders, you've got to take the opportunity while it's right out in front of you You've got to be wise about the opportunity. Don't be foolish about it, but you've got to take the eternal view of life. You've got to see that life goes beyond today. Life goes beyond being young. Life goes beyond being middle-aged. Life goes beyond uh, being old. 
And what is he telling us? The same thing that the Bible tells us over and over again, that for a follower of Jesus, we cannot become too attached to earth. I honestly believe that our God is so gracious and so kind and so loving that he would say to us, it is better for you to take a Holy Spirit directed chance and fail than to just play it safe. I'd rather you took a step of faith in confidence and in wisdom in what I want to do with your life according to the principles of God's word, okay, than just play it safe and sit there paralyzed and be afraid. But you got to take that step with wisdom. Number two, uh, step out in faith with realism. Now, some people step out in faith with this pie-in-the-sky optimism. That's it for today with pastor and Bible teacher Jim Kevney of Calvary Chapel, Morris Hills in Dover, New Jersey. We hope and pray that Pastor Jim's simple and passionate verse-by-verse, line-by-line teaching through the book of Ecclesiastes is bringing growth to your Christian faith. Now that you have heard from us, we would love to hear from you. Please let us know how we can pray for you, answer any questions that you may have, and let us know how Changed by Love has helped you. Perhaps you want someone to explain to you how to have your sins forgiven, how you can go to heaven, and how you can get started or restarted in your faith. Maybe you're looking for a good Bible teaching church in your area, or maybe you just need someone to talk to. Remember, friends, we are here to serve you and to help you so that someday the Lord will use you to serve and help others. That's the way the kingdom of God works, and we're thrilled to participate with you in the adventure. There are many ways to connect with Pastor Jim and the team here at Changed by Love. All of our contact information is available on our website, www.changedbyloveradio.com. Once again, that's www.changedbyloveradio.com. Maybe you would like to bless us and write us a card or a letter. Our mailing address is Changed by Love, 158 West Clinton Street, Dover, New Jersey, 07801. Once again, that's Changed by Love, 158 West Clinton Street, Dover, New Jersey, 07801. Please join us next time on this same station. Until then, stay close to Jesus, and we know that you too will be changed by His love.